0: Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. We have a amazingly sort of special episode today. You know, when I started on this journey, I didn't start it alone. You know, over three years ago, I started with my buddy here, Dave Proctor, who's going to be on with me today. We came up with this silly idea that we should build this Chasing Tomorrow podcast. And for a year and a half, we did an episode every week. We watched Dave, you know, get ready for his cross-Canada record-breaking run. We're with him along the way. And then, you know, afterwards, Dave went into a healing process we'll talk Hmm. about. And so we moved on from there. But now we're back together again. Dave's written his book, Untethered. It's an amazing book. You all should get it and read it and go on the journey with him. It's an amazing description of what it takes for a human to do what he did, but also then to recognize the implication of doing what he did and the sort of collateral issues that came from that. But it's also just an amazing, you know, as we all know, podcasters always have these great conversations before they get on with someone. But we were talking a little bit about, you know, sort of the very human element of from phenomenal performance to life impact. And so we'll talk about that. I don't think we're going to get through everything in this one podcast. Dave and I are going to have to do this a couple of times to sort of continue to dig in, because I think there are some really deep meanings to this. Um, Dave, welcome back. So great to have you. I'm just thrilled to be back on with you.
1: Uh, it's great hearing your voice, old friend. Yeah, great to be on again.
0: So, so you know, it's just so much, it's almost hard to know where to start, but let's mm-hmm. let's start with the book because I think it's a good way to like, so you you go off and you break this record. And I think that, you know, probably somewhere along the way, even though you never afforded yourself, you said, I'll get it done. I'm going to get this thing done. And then you have this really difficult time afterwards with physical healing and mental healing. And then you start to write the book in the middle of that. But tell me like how, when it, towards the end as you were finishing the run and knowing it was going to be done, like, how were you getting yourself ready for the next steps? Like what was happening in your life at that moment?
1: Well, to be honest with you, Joe, like, you know, there was just a complete elation at the end of this mm-hmm. run. You know, the last many days, probably even just the last day, because you don't allow yourself at all to feel like you can celebrate too soon or too yep. early. So that last day was complete elation. I was in tears. I was laughing. I was I was having the time of my life because I was achieving my life goal of running across the country in record time. But, you know, ultimately, you, you I, I don't think you can plan. You know, it's it, something like that, you know, with the run across the country, the transcon, you know, you have to be so in it every day. You have to be so completely present and, you know, focused on what you're doing in the meantime, in that moment that, you know, I, I know a lot of people that, including you, Joe, were saying, hey, you know what? You might have some dark days ahead mm-hmm. after you are done this, either, either you're successful or unsuccessful, but, right. you know, you might have some dark days. And I honestly couldn't even go there. It was almost like, you know, hey, what are you going to have for dinner next week? I don't know. I need to cook dinner for this week. And so, you know, it's, I, I I had no idea. And in fact, I didn't even allow myself to go there of like, okay, you know, what is life going to look like uh, starting day one after I stopped this 67 day run across the country? So I, I had no idea. I, I mm. honestly had no idea. But I do know that Joe, like the. You know the next many days the next many weeks you know they weren't really all that weird you know it was this elation this 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 great feeling that you you did something but yet you still look in the mirror and you're still insecure and okay well that's that's not that's not changed right but i think that ultimately joe like you know sitting down and writing this book starting about you know six or eight weeks following the run you know was Kind of my glowing light. It was kind of my, you know, coming out of the darkness, just even for a, period, a, a short period of time, in order to maybe do something creative or storytell or, or or tie the you know the the strings up and and, and connect the dots between how you were feeling and really what what kind of happened. I think yeah. the book kind of saved me. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, for sure. And and the reason I started here, you know, for everyone listening is. Not that we're not interested in the run Mm -hmm. because just to recap, it was 67 days, 67 miles a day across the second largest continent in the world, you know, breaking a record that had been in place for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of what I was sort of curious about is, you know, when you read the book, you realize that there are a couple of times where you probably look at it and you cringe yourself. You're like, Oh my God, I wasn't that nice to my brother. You know, I was feeling like, so there's, there's the, this after effect, of course, but then there's right. this sort of reflection on if I'm going to perform at this level, I'm going to create a bunch of strain in every element, right? Myself, yeah. on them. Like, how would, did that feel as you were looking at some of that? Yeah, you know, looking back
1: at the strain that I caused, not only unto myself, because hey, let's face it, you know, I ran across, I don't know, seven eighths of the country with a broken foot. So that's going to come back to... You know, to haunt me later on, so there was you know physical harm and psychological harm to myself, but I was also away from my my kids for yeah. you know the better part of two and a half months. There was strain there. You know, they yeah. missed their dad. I missed them. You know, uh, crew members out there. You know, mo- you know mostly including my brother. You know, he came on in Ottawa and then left in Thunder Bay, and that was the longest, kind of hardest section of the you know cross Canada run. And you know, I've always thought that you know my brother was he's always been there for me like he's my he's my guy and I want him out there for the hardest section but you know I didn't you know I didn't even think that you know we would revert back to when I was seven and he was nine years old and we were fighting over the basketball or you know mom and dad's attention or that it's ridiculous that I want this much you know avocado in that sandwich or or whatever it was it was absolutely ridiculous there were things that we were fighting about. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there's been real strain in those relationships, but I, I you know, Joy, I kind of wanted to write the book like completely honestly, you know, I wanted to be completely honest because, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of missing, you know, and sometimes in these, in these books like this, and it's one of the reasons why I love Andre Agassi's open. It's a brilliant autobiography of, 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 of his life. And he was just so open and it's so, you know, it's so I so love that. But yeah, the the strains, you know, as you and and as I was writing the book, you know, better understanding. Because when you're starting to write about it and you're starting to make sense of things. And then I remember even that one part of the Bark book where I, I ended up having a conversation with Terry Fox's brother, Fred Fox. Right. Yeah. And Fred said, Hey, that sounds exactly the way it was back in 1980 with, with me and my brother. And we ended up having this beautiful long conversation where we We ended up like agreeing and be like, okay, what, what did you do in that situation? How did you feel thereafter? And you know, he could end up getting kind of making sense of, of how the runner would feel, and then I was making sense of how the crew would feel. And, and ultimately we, we, we dump our garbage where we feel the safest. And Mm -hmm. I was dumping my, my garbage on my brother. Yeah. And he, he was not, he was not having it. He, he was, he was reverting back to when he was nine years old. Right. And saying, Dave, you're ridiculous. You've been playing with this basketball for the last hour and a half. And it's time to share.
0: Mm. I think it's just amazing, though, right? So, this microcosm of life that comes out in these moments of intensity, there's so many pieces of this. First, we all sort of don't carry as much of the impact of the early stage of our lives on the rest of our lives and our behavior. But boy, is there a direct line between them. Sure is. You found that out. Oh, the second yeah. is that anytime we set out to do something big, I don't care if, you know, someone wants to become a concert violinist or they want to run across Canada or you want to do whatever it is. You're going to make some impact on anyone else, somewhat connected to you because of the amount of implication of that. Right. Yeah. And how aligned are we in the support of each other to the achievements that they want versus right. the, how does they, how do they then feel? Cause now they're not getting anything cause they're all in this support. So Mm-hmm. It's complex, right? So you did this microcosm in this short period of time, you know, through all of these pieces, like, oh, yeah, implications, I'm not spending time with my kids. My brother and I are going back to seven years old. I'm feeling all these issues. Like, hmm. And yet you still know that you have to push through this, right? Because yeah. looked, you set an objective and you're going to try and get that. A lot of complexity. It wasn't just running every day.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what people are circling back to that have read the book and circling back to me on social media. And, and all of you listeners out there, please reach out to me on Instagram or mm-hmm. Facebook Messenger or whatever and and tell me what you think and I'd love to have a conversation with you about this book because it's a lot of people are circling back and saying like that was a lot more complicated than I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, I, on social media and, you know, even you and I Joe when we were talking every week out there. Mm-hmm. Um and broadcasting it on the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, you know, we, you know, th- there's there's a lot more happening than anybody thought, because right. you know, myself as a runner, you kind of you know suppress certain things and you compartmentalize yeah. and, and you know I'll, I'll figure this out later and I'll I'll, I'll do these things and, and make sense of things later, but you know the complexity was enormous, but yet I needed to kind of stay in my little microcosm, like looking through. You know, a small little barrel, and seeing only what needs to be seen. And I think that that stress really fell heavily upon Lana Ray, and yeah. you know how she was managing the entire run and all of the people, all the crew members, all of the the meals, all of the you know motor vehicle things, hotels along the way, and she handled it like a like a complete champ. And even you know, I was getting frustrated with her. I was getting upset. I was getting disappointed or whatever it was and she was still able to manage that which is really truly incredible it's you know they say that there is no self-made man and i believe that you know because yeah. you have, behind every self-made man or or you know a, a, somebody who succeeds is a whole village of people that were busy supporting that person and i, I think you 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 kind of get that in this book
0: yeah well th- this is life right and yeah. i think the interesting part about that is that You are on the edge throughout this process. Well, there is a broken foot, being sick in the beginning, every other element of the strain put on your body. So if you had to carry much more burden, you probably Mm -hmm. don't get done. And so all that burden is shifting off of you because you now have very little variability in what more you could take on. There's like literally no more. And so then the only place it can go because it's got to go somewhere is to the people supporting you. Mm-hmm. And in that way, is sort of very predictable, but it is the same, you know, it's the, the parents' dedication to a child in their life, right? That they're giving no room to themselves to be who they need to be because right. they're in a purchase support mode for a, a child to develop. And so this idea of that sort of shared experience sometimes is all not that shared. It's actually somewhat, you know, dominant on one side versus the other, Mm-hmm, or the mm-hmm. way to make that work, especially at this level, right, that you were at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, like both you and I, Joe, we've run numerous or many ultra marathons. And mm-hmm. and when you hang out with with ultra marathoners, they're they're a different breed. It's a it's mm-hmm. different group of people, and they and they come to expect things from others knowing very well what they've done themselves. And and every one of my crew members that we flew in and flew out from different locations, they were all ultra runners. -hmm. Uh, Except for my brother, right? And Mm -hmm. so when I was being, you know, too bossy, or if I was being too demanding of whatever it was, they would get it because they've been there too. They understand that, you know, when you have no control or very little control over your environment, you hyper control the things you can control. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And my brother has never been there, you know, he hasn't done these things. And So he didn't see me as an athlete or somebody who's doing something hard. He saw me as being an asshole brother who has has taken the basketball for the last hour and a half and is is unwilling to share. And he would he would say things about that. He would he would argue that point. And I tried to kind of you know kind of coach him along the way out there, which was a terrible time to do that. It, it was, yeah. it's it, the timing was not right, but you know it it was what it was. Still, you know, he he was he was an incredible crew member. He mm-hmm. saw to my needs as he could. And but yet, you know, he saw me as a different person. And I even said to him, I said, you know, Dan, you know, I want you to imagine his, you know, his favorite Major League Baseball player is Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I said, Imagine if you know, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. asked you to 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 be his helper for a day, you know, during a Major League Baseball game. And I need, you know, a bottle of this mixed with this protein powder half an hour before the game, handed to me exactly 30 minutes before the game. I said, would you do it? And he's like, oh yeah, like that's, that's the coolest thing. That's amazing. And I said, Dan, right now I'm Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how you have to see me. And he says, I see you as my brother. Right. I see you as my brother and I see you as being an asshole. And I said, you know what? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Might just hold out his hand half an hour before the game and not even look at you. And you would go over and hand it to him because yeah. you see him as being, you know, an incredible baseball player, somebody that you admire. So I need you to pull away from that. And mm. I need you to kind of see me as this, you know, kind of disassociating from being a brother. And so we, we talked a lot about that, but we didn't ever come to resolve because it's mm-hmm. it's hard to do that, I think. I don't know if I could do it.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think across mm-hmm. the board, this idea of empathy, you know, that can somewhat also be dispassionate at the same time, right? And, right, right. You know, think about like, you know, been married for over 30 years and my wife never really was out in the racing with me. She's like, yeah, I got a lot of other things going on. So but when she did, has shown up at an ultra marathon as a crew, she's fantastic because she doesn't have like, oh, I feel bad for you. She's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And I know you're okay carrying this load, you know. Mm-hmm. And because she's watched me for 30 years and seen what other loads I've carried. And so she said it was sort of what normalized. But other people who have never seen that, they don't expect that from you in that right. moment. And so then they're reacting to some other sort of standard that they might have, your brother as you and your former relationship, so to speak. So it is interesting, you know, if you're going to take someone with you on one of these journeys, whatever it might be, running across Canada, you know, trying to be great at whatever we choose to do, you know, pushing ourselves to new height, you know, having that, like I think the abstraction from the book is, there's a lot of really these really core life lessons mm-hmm. that kept up, so they're true. You
1: yeah, know. yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. It it and that's what's be- beautiful about a, a run like this. So and then of course you know be, telling a story about it as well too is it's it's basically life compressed. Yeah, right. It's all mm-hmm. of the turmoil, it's all of the dysfunction, it's all of the glory, it's all of the you know. And that's what, that's one of the most beautiful things about ultramarathoning is you go for a hundred mile run. There's a lot of things that happen. It's not just putting one foot in front of the other. There's a lot of mental barriers, physical barriers, emotional distress, doubt, you know, desire for comfort. Yeah. You know, stoicism on and so forth that take over. And I think that's, I think that's one of the things that a lot of readers are liking about this book is that, you know, it, it just tells a life story. Right, and so, but yeah, you're right. It's, but circling back a little bit to kind of you know crew members, you know the relationships out there. You know, I remember the once you know I I was reading this this part about parts work, you know, asking a different part of you to show up, right? Right. You know, at different times, I, you know, I'm I'm a father, you know, and at different times, you know, I'm a professional working in a sports physiotherapy clinic, and then and then I'm a runner and. You know, these are three very different people, and asking that person to show up in this time because let's face it, myself as a father wouldn't be a good runner, and myself as a runner wouldn't be a good, good practitioner and or or a partner. And so, yeah. you know, ultimately too, you know, the the parts work come come comes along as well too when it comes to crewing and in in support. Sometimes when you know Lana Ray is having a rough day at work, I have to ask myself for a different part of me to show up to show up for her. Right. And, and I, I think that's, that's, that's an interesting piece where you can kind of see yourself for where you are in the moment, but where you kind of need to be for other people and for yourself and asking that person to show up. Is he wearing a cowboy hat? Is he wearing a cape? Is he wearing, you know, work, nice work shoes? You it, it changes, doesn't
0: it? I think so. You know, when through my work career, There was a time when I became a CEO for the first time. There's a lot of pressure. You know, you have all these people's lives you feel like depend on you. Mm -hmm. Everything falls on your shoulders. And, you know, I had stopped drinking alcohol, so I didn't have like a crutch Hmm. to go ride or run, but I still could show up as a jerk every once in a while. And so what I found I really worked hard on was when I felt I was like that, I would go home and say hey by the way i think i'm in a really bad mood right now Mm -hmm. so anything i might say for the next hour don't take personally has nothing to do with anyone and because i'm just be an idiot and it'll work its way out you know right so that context always helped yeah because then they were like oh yeah he's complaining about the dishes in the sink but it's only because he's fussy not because of that yeah and that that self awareness and this understanding of what's going on, and we can relate that to people as a lesson of how to deal with these moments of intensity when some of that neurophysiology that's going on inside of us that we can't completely control at that moment. Mm-hmm. If there's at least awareness about that, then yeah. there's acceptance.
1: Yeah, and I, and to that point, you and Joe, that's that. It's a great point. I forget where I heard this the once, but it's basically that that self awareness and the openness to you know be vulnerable. And see mm. if you came home and you said, hey, honey, I'm exhausted. I've got all of this work that's on my plate and I've got 30% for you.
0: Yeah. You know, right. I got
1: 30, you know, then that opens up an opportunity for your partner to say, hey, you know what? I got your 70. I yeah. got you.
0: You right.
1: know, um, and boy, she's just jazzed about showing up. And sometimes she comes to you and says, hey, I got 10%. I know I know. We're, we're hoping to go for a date tonight, but can we just order pizza in or, or something? And you're like, hey, I got your 90, you know? Yeah. But if you, if you end up both having 20%, if you got 20 and she's got 20, then you kind of figure it out, right? But at least you're open and honest. And I think that that was really quite cool and key with, with the crew members out across Canada, was, you know, like right after I fell and hit my head in on the west side of Thunder Bay, and I was really quite concussed, you know, Matt Shepard, you know, he took, he took 90. He was like, I got you.
0: I was like, whoa, man, that's unbelievable. He's, he's a pretty incredible guy.
1: Incredible dude. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: He was the right person for that day.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's an incredible human being. In fact, I think one day he's going to take a crack at this record. I think he's going to run, run across Canada. And I, I I just wish nothing but the best for him because he's, yeah he's an incredible incredible human being
0: yeah so so this this part of this whole story we'll talk about you know how you wrote about the the post the aftermath, so to speak, in a minute, but you know this is really interesting, right the dynamic of human experience, I would say you were a rather aware guy before, right you had had son with a rare disease, you had had some failed attempts you were a world-class athlete living your life so you had some challenge already mm-hmm. and then you like amped it up like, to another level and you know one of the things you write about which i have I'm, I'm not a scientist i'm a reader and a practitioner but this idea of human biology and we'll call it the dopamine effect mm-hmm. and that in some sense, like we need to understand better these neuromodulators, neurotransmitters, whatever they are. You know, there's ones like that help us go to sleep. You know, right? This GABA that gets produced later in the day, and if we're doing something to get in the way of that, we don't sleep. Is like there are things that that are made for us to work. Like dopamine yeah. was not meant to get Dave to run across the United States. No.
1: Right? No. This
0: was to motivate you to go hunting when you had no food.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Or light a fire uh, when you're you know, freezing to death at night, you know, 3,000 years ago.
0: Yeah. Right. But these, what someone told me once, which is the most amazing thing is for as powerful as the brain is, it cannot control the neurotransmitters. They work right. the way they work. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about this dopamine effect and what it was doing and then how that had this impact.
1: To yeah, and, and so what I've come to learn over the years, and and probably reading a lot of the same books, and probably listening to a lot of the same scientists as as you do, Joe, about dopamine, this this neurotransmitter that's that's found in our brains and or in our bodies, and it is 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 dumped into our system when we have chocolate, when we eat a square of chocolate, or when we you know smoke a, a cigarette, so nicotine, or. Or even, even just, you know, your phone goes off and, and, and you, you, you notice that somebody's texting you that you, you know, you, you're, you're happy that, 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 somebody's connecting with you. That gives you a little dump of, of dopamine. And so, you know, it's this, you know, body's motivation and reward system. And so ultimately thousands of years ago, you know, we would be pretty motivated to go find a bush of berries in the woods. And let's face it, we really had to, to to compete over limited resources. So we would have to work hard to go find those good things. But immediately after eating a whole bunch of berries from that bush, you feel good, like you feel really good when you're eating them. And then immediately there's this teeter-totter that takes place and you crash and we, we struggle. Mm-hmm. And as high as that high was with eating the berries, they say that's the a similar crash. We, we feel as mm-hmm. terrible and as and they call pain and what does that do is it makes you motivated to go find another bush of berries right it makes you motivated to go and that's really important they they did a number of studies out there where they made it so that you know mice had a constant amount of of dopamine and so they weren't motivated to go and eat or drink water so they just starved to death it's incredible makes you go do things and so my experience with running across the country was every province i was crossing over I would feel an incredible amount of like, I would feel so good and my Mm -hmm. body was aching and sore, but yet I've never felt this good in my life ever. Mm -hmm. And I found that as far as for the further I went, the better I felt. It seemed like I even wrote in my book, I said, I, it was almost like a doctor was coming in, sneaking into my hotel room at night and injecting me with more of this feel good Drug, whatever this was, I'm not a drug user, so I'm not. I don't know what methamphetamines and cocaine feels like, but this was. I I have to assume it's a lot like that, or better. And Mm -hmm. I was getting higher and higher and higher as I crossed the country, and then the moment you stop, right? You imagine if you took crystal meth or methamphetamines, that high followed by that low. They say one of two things either happens: is you go and harm yourself like commit right. suicide because of that pain is that unreal or yep. you're desperate to go get more crystal meth. And that's the addictive cycle with, 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 with dopamine. And so, you know, I stopped running and yeah, it didn't really come into effect right away, but it was weeks later and I just started feeling show the best word I could use for it is I felt empty. Yep. There was nothing. And You know, I remember also in my journal, I wrote, I I felt like I was in the basement and I just was so desperate to come up, up on the main floor and I would do anything. I would eat food. I would, you know, I would, I would, I would seek out, you know, anything to make myself feel better, but nothing felt like anything. And then I felt even emptier and I felt worse. And that was an incredible feeling. And I was still seeing my psychologist every week. Yeah. I was talking about it. But there was one day, Joe, where Yolanda know, was out of town, my kids weren't with me, and I don't know why, but I just felt this incredible sadness, like a loss, like, a, and I, it, it hurt so bad, and I've never, I've never dealt with depression in my life ever, mm-hmm. and it, I, I remember I pulled up in front of my house, and, you know, I have this you know, and I wrote about this in the book, I've got this tire yeah. swing out in front of the house. And all I could think was, where's the ladder? Right. And I'm, I'm a smart enough guy, Joe, to know what the hell are you thinking? Right. You know, you've got a wonderful life. You've got great kids. You've got, but this pain, I just needed to escape it. I needed to to get away somehow from this, because I can't, I could run across the country, but I can't handle this. Right. And that was the moment that I ended up at the hospital and was seeking medical attention and getting, you know, drugs, antidepressants in order to, to get the help and, and, and it took a number of different drugs in order to find the right cocktail that Mm -hmm. really supported me. But that that was a really, really rough year and I feel like I'm out of it now. Like I, I feel good no longer on any antidepressants. I'm feeling, you know, very, very, very good. But boy, you know, you're right, Joe, we can't underestimate the human condition. You know, Mm -hmm. as much as we like to think, no, you know what, all my life I've pulled up my socks and I've gotten to work and I've, I've put the work in and I, 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 I do the hard things this depression thing is, is just next level. I've never felt anything like it. And I certainly would not want to feel it ever again in my life.
0: No, of course not. Well, we're happy you made it through. Thank you. I think the piece that's interesting about this that that happened, right? So we go through, you know, your point of like, well, the high and the low, right? Mm -hmm. There's a range that works. Yeah. It's like, I guess we'll talk about maybe a simple metaphor is a gas tank in the car. Yeah. You can go down to a quarter of a tank and fill it up to three quarters and you're sort of good all the time. And it's a little bit different. There is more energy in the car with that more gas, you know. But you went and you not emptied the tank. You actually went into the reserves and took mm-hmm. out more. Right. I yeah. actually think that the replenishment wasn't just like pouring the gas back in. It was actually rebuilding the system that mm-hmm. was called replenish which was why you hit that such a low and there's not many ways that one could pull that much out of the system, but we've read about, you know, the Michael Phelps and 17 gold medals was all of those years. He, he just literally wiped it all out and then, <clears throat> but life needs it, right? It needs that system to run. And so yeah, it yeah. took a while. It's not going to be like, Oh, you went for a five mile run well, that's right in the range and that replaces itself in the normal process of the day. That mm-hmm. so depleted it and there wasn't much way that you could change sort of the regeneration other than time yeah. and a lot of time yeah, because the system was really compromised. And so, <laughs> but that, you know, whether expected or not is real, right? It didn't even matter if you knew that was going to happen. It wouldn't have mattered because <clears throat> your behavior wasn't Unpredictable. It was actually you couldn't change it. It wouldn't matter what anyone explained to you what they could do. There was mm-hmm. no response. Like car with no gas can't move. It just that's it.
1: Right. And, right. And One, had- yeah. Absolutely, Joe. And I, I, you know, further to that, like I, I look at my behavior now and the things that I said, the things that I've done, the relationships that might, you know, never be okay again because of my behavior, none of it makes sense, Mm. you know, but, you know, also that person, Joe, who's, who's, you know, know, breaks into your house to steal items, to go get drugs. We all know what's right and wrong. We Mm. all know what's socially acceptable, but yet when you're in that state, you know, chips are, chips are on the, off the table. Like you're, you don't care. You will do anything in order to feel something. And, you know, I, I now in my life, Joe, I'm busy apologizing, and, mm. you know, begging for forgiveness, because I've got some good friends that I've, 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 I've harmed along the way by, yeah. by, by, by by being in the state that I was in. But I think that, you know, to your point, like, you know, when it comes to regulation of your body, when it comes to those systems, we take them for granted when they're working, but when they're not working, you know, I, I I feel that there's we we all could be doing a a lot better of a job to be supporting those people going through something when somebody's acting completely irrational there is no way that they can act rational in that state right. yeah. and you know that and I think that was one of the reasons why I was so very honest in that last chapter of the book was mm-hmm. you know I I, I i read a lot of i read a lot of these books about these journeys i i i wrote the book that i would want to read yeah and i i don't see anybody else kind of i know that they're struggling but i don't see anybody else talking about it but if you can write a book and 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 then have, you know, it's, hey, it's all in the pages there. You, you, you know, and you, and you even see at the beginning of every day, it says exactly how far I ran and how consistent I was with the 12 and a half to 13 hours. Like it was very, very consistent every day. And that's strong, that's strength. You know, you, if somebody wants to debate with me, I would love to have that debate. I was a very strong person that summer. Yeah. But, you know, in, but then to say, well, you know, that person's just weak. That's why they succumb to, you know, depression, that's why they succumb to poor behavior. That's not fair. I'm not a weak person, but it was a complete overhaul on the regulatory system. And I thank God for the people in my life that that, that gave me patience and expressed love in that time period.
0: Yeah. Maybe that word is just ill put in, in context of the circumstance. Right. Right. Just weak that's, you know, I don't know, the person with the broken leg saying they're weak because they can't run a mile is sort of a bit stupid. It's the wrong word. I mean, it's like, you know, we often are incapable on ourselves of either understanding or connecting. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're weak ourselves because we don't really, we're afraid of that moment. And what could I say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that the, you know, and for anyone who, you know, endeavors to read the book, you know, and I said to Dave, you know, there's this sort of monotone kind of thing to each day, right? And that's happening and there's these nice nuggets and it's fun and you feel like you go on the journey and you get to the end and you're like, oh, whoa. So you just have to sort of be a little ready for it because mm-hmm. it is the reality of what was created. And I think, Dave, you know, not from just this run, right? Like you had tried to do this run before, yeah, four years time. before, yeah. You and I were were together every day, kind of thing. Like, even remember the the other run you were trying to do that in Canada, that three hundred mile run, and yeah. you had these issues, and so there was a lot building up. I mean, this <clears> was <throat> not just sixty seven days; this was the right. year of it culminating. And I'm glad it culminated in in the success because, in some way, it, it was a redemption of sorts.
1: Right. Right.
0: This last piece was going to need to be resolved. Anyway, it was a hard yeah. way to go through it, but I. as just as a friend from a distance, feeling like and so for you to tell everyone that is any of us who are struggling? Sometimes you just have to go through that to get to the other side. It doesn't go away ever until you. Oh decide. yeah,
1: yeah, and no, that's my experience too. Is that you know sometimes you just got to sit with it. You know you <clears> got to sit in the crevasses of. Of the pits of hell yeah you know sometimes they come and you you just have to take them straight on mm-hmm. and it's not easy yeah you know, but life isn't easy sometimes and, and sometimes you just gotta you, you've got to do the hard work and it was tough it was it was it was a really rough
0: year but you know, writing that part was it did you cry while you were writing it did it make you feel terrible did it make you feel good how how did it feel writing the aftermath You know, I I feel that
1: writing this book was probably the perfect healing for me. Mm. You know, I, I, not only just the aftermath, but even during the run, it was hard to kind of explain that, you know, all of the little pieces that kind of came together. And then when you end up, you know, connecting the the dots and, and putting the strings together and you're like, oh, okay, that's why I was kind of feeling that. And then that's why I had success with that approach. And mm-hmm. so ultimately throughout the entire book, I, and it was, it was all this, you know, positive reinforcement that, okay, great. I'm, I'm doing the right thing because I'm feeling good while writing this book. And in fact, at times it was the only time that I did feel good was, mm-hmm. okay. you know, you know, that I would stay up late and write. I was consistent with the writing and I'm a terrible writer. I'm a hunt and pack method writer. I, 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 I don't know how to do this. So it took a long time. It took a full 11 months to write this book, but, you know, the final chapter, when starting to write about it, it was, you know, I, I I had a, a fork in the road and, you know, I could either go here or I could go there and it almost seemed like it wasn't even an option. I had to be honest, you know, I I wasn't going to be honest all throughout this book and then just toss it out the window and, and say, well, you know what, you know, I've been taught as a young man that, you know, we don't talk about our feelings. And so no, that's not, you know, I, I I think that, you know, I think that this is, this is maybe a book for men for young men Mm -hmm. where you're like, no, when the shit hits the fan, we can talk about it. You know, and there's no shame. There's no uh, feeling, you know, uh, you know, bad about how you feel or that you know somebody's judging you. It's it's just this is this. So when writing it, I felt really empowered. I felt that it kind of made sense, and I was kind of putting a, a bow on mm. this. And oddly enough, as I was finishing the writing, that's kind of when my depression kind of lifted. Yeah, I started feeling good. I started feeling motivated to go do things. I started feeling balanced. I remember my kids would say something and I didn't snap. And I was like, oh, okay. Something's different. Like I'm not feeling limbic anymore or as limbic. And so I feel that sometimes, you know, kind of opening up and showing that that open vulnerability, maybe sometimes is that last final key piece to, to passage. And, and I feel that that was the case for me.
0: Yeah. You know, there's Maslow's hierarchy and who knows it as this top of it. it's called self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And then Joseph Campbell writes about transcendence and so do the Buddhists. Mm-hmm. Words and these ideas just, they are very difficult to connect to because we don't know what they mean. Like, right. What does that mean? and you know when i started off my life you know didn't have much like you we go through and we push ourselves to some limits and we keep doing it until you know when i was finishing the tahoe 200 and the last 25 miles took me 25 hours because my ankle was so bad i couldn't even walk and i get near the finish line i just burst out crying like just completely unexpected mm. why And, you know, on reflection, I finally realized that this self-actualization, which I think is part of what you went through, was you finally fall in love with yourself and you forgive yourself for all the ways that you felt about your sort of insecurities in your life. We're just working so hard to prove to ourselves, forget anyone else, Mm -hmm. just ourselves that we're worthy of being here and that we've overcome whatever that starting point was where we didn't feel that matter whether yeah. we were loved or not I'm not even talking about whether you had parental love you or I'm not king on a person just generally this is about the internal of this system and sometimes you know maybe you can get there through meditation you can get there through other methods yeah but in some sense to me and the reason why the healing really started to happen was you then were in the same state that i was which is like okay like i actually really really ripped myself in half and i put myself back together again. And I'm happy with what this is and what Mm -hmm. I will do for the rest of my life. And I think that we need a better path there, Dave, than uh, having to do some of the things we've done. But but it's representative of of the challenge that we have in life.
1: Yeah. And I I think it, you know, sometimes I feel like you have to kind of go to the end of your rope Mm. to then come to the understanding that, you know, maybe some of the things that we've been taught maybe some of the things that we have tended to believe are, you know, maybe not really the right way. Maybe sometimes, at least for me personally, you know, writing this book was a gift and being able to, you know, put it down on paper. And now it's a published book on Amazon. I've taken off that cloak where I was kind of hiding. And I don't know about you, but, you know, hiding from, you know, your feelings, your thoughts, your ideas, your secrecy, what you're ashamed of. I don't know. I don't see a lot of people being able to hide and 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 still, you know, kind of getting through and over something. They're now in their 80s and they're still hiding. They're still yeah. cloaked. And, you know, I, I feel that that was the case with this book. It's very public. It's very, I've gotten so many people saying, oh my God, Dave, I, I can't believe that you 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 went there. And I'm like, well, why not? You know, I is, well, why not? I,
0: know. I think that there's this obligation, right? There's an obligation to start to talk about what life is and how it works yeah. and that we're creating in a world where, you know, I mean, like I, mean, I use social media, but I think that there is, there's a world where we exacerbate the problem of this insecurity, no matter what level, like literally yeah. there is no enough. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's not how this system works and so yeah. if we keep pushing on that all we're going to do is break it like this acknowledgement of how we are and who we are matters and so i think actually since you experienced it you actually almost have an obligation to tell everyone and to tell it again and again because it's real and you're like hey look i got this world record at a level that you know is almost unimaginable and yet and yet, what I really learned was not that I could run across Canada in sixty-seven days. What I learned was I could find my way through to a better place on the other side of this.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I, and I agree, and I, I think that yeah, we have an obligation because I think that we're all kind of going through the same thing. We're all, you know, on this mm-hmm. this 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 globe that's you know orbiting the Earth, and and you know, we're all living a very, very similar experience, just you know, different shapes and sizes. And we all deal with loss. We all deal with, you know, gratitude. We all deal with triumph. We all deal with frustration and and, and anger. And yeah, mine just looks like, it looks like something a little bit different, hmm. but yet, you know, I, I think that, and I really hope that, you know, if somebody reads the book and, and takes a little bit from it, it's that, you know what, and I, hey, you know, I'll, sorry, I'll fast forward a little bit. I, I I'll tell you Joe that the, messages that I've received from everybody, I haven't received one bad one.
0: Mm, no. And the
1: fact is, is when you open up and you are vulnerable and open with others, that's the greatest gift that you can give because I think then ultimately people then then it tells them that, hey, you know what? I could maybe feel like that too. Or I could, you know, you know, tell my mother really how truly how I feel, or I could you know, call my kids, or I could you know do whatever that is. Mm. Um, you could end up getting somewhere that's worthwhile.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's two things that are sort of cute because they they fight against like uh, in the middle of a. Uh, I was told this recently when I was doing a hundred mile race in the middle, it says you need to say out loud, "I feel fantastic" when you feel terrible. And mm. middle, it's like, wow, is that hard to say?
1: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't
0: matter that it's these three words. It's just actually. Like you fight against saying it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And,
0: and so, so there's this, we keep talking about biology. We'll get a scientist to tell us what we're really talking about one day, Dave. But, but then the same thing with saying, I'm sorry, which is what you did in a sense with describing this situation. Mm-hmm. But if in, in a human dialogue, anytime you ever say you're sorry, I've never found anyone who doesn't sort of immediately accept yeah, <clears throat> because we really do have empathy for each other. It's when we fight against that, when we're not vulnerable, when we don't say we're sorry, when we can't do the things that seemingly get us to the decide is when we struggle. And I think that that is what yeah. you did there. And that's why you're going to just keep getting great feedback.
1: Yeah. And I think that, too, like going back to, you know, about when you're running and you're like, I'm, I'm doing great here. You know, I, there's a saying that I say when I'm running and people, hey, how are you doing? Well, oh, I'm getting better you know, (laughs) that's not true, but you know what? It's the funniest thing. You know, even though you say it, you put it out into the universe, you, you kind of feel a little bit better. I I don't know what it is. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, if somebody said, Hey, how's your, how how are you doing today? I'm having a terrible day. Well, yeah, but Hey, you know what? It's, it's going up from here. I just had a really tough meeting and, but you know, I'm sure that the next meeting, Or, hey, I'm talking to Joe next, so I'm going to have a good conversation. You know, you can you can end up making you manifest destiny like that. And so, yeah, I think that you put things out into the world and then that's ultimately what you get back.
0: Yeah, what I like also is that you're avoiding, you know, of course, you know, are always our last question in the chasing tomorrow is what's next. But what you've been avoiding, which is in a good way, avoiding is trying to resolve for what happened with like all of a sudden a new big goal. Like that's Mm. like sort of avoid what happened. Mm. Oh, I'm gonna go, you know, break a record. We used to talk about run across Russia, you know, like that's avoiding really going through what you had to go through. And you say, Mm -hmm. hey, yeah, I'm running, and yeah, it didn't really help. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, didn't solve. Like so, so yeah. In in this resolution stage, there's a lot to it, right? I mean, you had to try a lot of techniques and give yourself time because the it just took a while to refill
1: oh it, it absolutely did yeah it 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 absolutely did and and you know what My, some might even argue that it's still happening yeah. i ended up running a race back in what was it about four or five months ago and it was a 200 mile race and i dropped out at 120 miles yeah because i was not having fun the entire 120 miles i'm out there i'm like what am i doing like and you you know you know how it is, Joe. You've been running for years, where you have this fire in you. There's there's a purpose. There's a reason to being there. Yeah. The entire 120 miles, there was no real purpose and reason. There was a guy right on my tail, and and I was kind of rooting for him. I wanted him to to because he's a great guy. And I was like, well, I just walked off the course. He's you know he's he's free free and clear to 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 go and have a great you know a great race and a better better placing. So. I don't know. I I just I I I lack the fire. And I don't know mm. if it'll come back. I've signed up for a bunch of races next year and I mm. I don't know, you know, but you know all I know is that, you know, life is constantly evolving. You know, mm. what you want in life and in is 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 always shifting. Who knows? Who knows where where I'm going to be in the next little while, but you know, I also know that you got to be relatively patient. Yeah. And give yourself, you know, some space to to, to feel those feelings and and to allow for those desires and wants to come, you know, organically. And I I feel like I'm doing that, and I feel like I'm doing that simply because I went through this process over the last now year and a half. And I feel like I'm a lot more complete of a of a human being.
0: Yeah, maybe you know well, we're going to talk a couple more times on this podcast because we'll go deeper on a couple ideas, but you know we. There's a couple of questions we like always give to people, really, if you want to push them hard, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what's your purpose? You know, who are you? You know, what do you want your legacy to be? And they're not easy to answer because they're complicated and Mm -hmm. they need a lot to resolve. And I think the good thing is that you're on the way to figuring out the answer to those questions. You know, your purpose is evolving. You know, your purpose is evolving. And so is. Sort of what that legacy might be, and it can't just be this one dimension. And no, you know, who, who is Dave Proctor? It's a complicated question. But the good news is that you have a whole set of experiences to help you sort of frame that going Absolutely.
1: Forward. Yeah. You know, and Joe, you know, kind of back to that parts work, you know, that we were talking about and, is, you know, you, Joe, and all you listeners out there, you know, imagine yourself as being. Many different people all within yourself. Like you have, you know, that badass runner who's a tough son of a gun, right? And he might be wearing a backwards baseball cap and, you know, grit and, you know, and, and, and mud on his face because, you know, he's been running all day. But then you have the compassionate care worker when it comes to having an elderly parent, you know? Mm-hmm that the very patient person who's, let's say your, your mother has Alzheimer's, you know, you might have that other part of you, who's a parent or a worker or whatever it is and asking those people to, to show up at different times in your life. But I guess, you know, when it comes to, you know, you know, like what's your purpose, I, I think it evolves. I, for me, it personally, evolves evolved every five or 10 years. And I feel like I'm going coming into a place where, you know, I feel like I'm a leader. I feel like there's this new person that's arriving in my life and this new person, you know, is wearing a, a sport jacket and like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody that's going to be, you know, supporting people and and bringing upon my, my life experience and, and supporting people through, you know, getting somewhere where where they want to go. Cause I've gone there. When it comes right. to, to running and athletics, but that person starts to come in. And that person wrote the book, Yep. you know, that person is supporting people and runners and, you know, just anybody who wants betterment within their life, which should include all of us, I think. And I'm there passing along what has worked for me, things that I take for granted that other people don't know in order for them to go and kick some doors down in life. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's, that's my parts work that I'm doing for myself. And I, I challenge everybody who's listening to this podcast is, you know, write it down. Who, what kind of parts, who, 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 who are you? And that person that it's at work, isn't the same person that's at home playing with the kids. Um, right. There's two different mm-hmm. people. What do they look like? How do they, how do they stand? Well, you know, like what kind of, what kind of posture do they have? You know, what kind of attitudes do they have? But is there another part of you that sometimes needs to come out and and i think that future purpose involves either furthering that one part that's already there or developing another part of you
0: yeah i think that you know the good news for, first i agree um, i think we'll all benefit from that you know to be able to say hey look i've been through it and i've gotten to the other side and it's okay we can get through there together is also really mm-hmm. valuable to a lot of people who for their own reason are going to go through some kind of similar You know hero's journey you know Dave I think well one you know congrats on the finish of course I'm glad that you broke the record you know and thank you it's an effort of you know such grand proportion we'll never sort of really connect with it but for all that I think more of a thanks is that you went and put some time into sort of telling the aftermath meaning that you know we all have some struggles to work through and we're gonna find a pathway there because it's good for all of us to do that. And and now on to the next chapter, the next book, the next whatever, this chase tomorrow that we started over three years ago still applies, you know, because if we lean into the future, you know, we should do so with a positive attitude. And I'm just thrilled to be back on with you. I think we'll keep you as a a regular guest here. So we tell some more stories about what's happening. You know, interestingly enough, there's a lot of layers to this. So,
1: no, you know, it, it, there always has to be right. You know, the bigger the cake, the more the layers. And It was a pretty big cake. Yeah. Yeah. To that. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Dave, thanks very much. Look forward to talking and watching, you know, great amount of book sales. Go to amazon.com and buy Dave's book, Untethered, Dave Proctor, just so you guys find it. You'll love it. And let's give him five-star reviews all the time. And yeah, do reach out to him on Instagram, et cetera. He's a very accessible guy and we want to support him. So thanks, Dave. Thanks a lot, Joe. We'll talk soon.